Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, we love Go Church. We are big fans of what God is doing here and of your, your pastors. Um, and I, I would say, so as, as a pastor, I always get a little nervous when I have a guest speaker. Like, I just don't let anyone speak. At, in fact, my dad is a preacher, and I don't even let him <laughs> speak at our church. I'm just not sure. He's at that age where he just doesn't care. I still care, and so I get, I get nervous about what he, he may or may not say, and uh, so I'm, I'm honored. I don't take this lightly to be here with you today, and if I say something that is maybe not in line or don't take it out on Pastor Nick and, and Becky. Like, it's not their fault. It's, it's all, it's all my, my doing. Now, every, every Halloween, our family dresses up. We do a family theme. It's a, a thing that we do. We've done Dora the Explorer. Explorer. I don't know. Explorer. We've done Star Wars. We've done Peter Pan. This year, we took it back to the 70s. So here's my family up here. I, I, love, my, I love my family uh, of a high schooler, middle schooler, elementary. And uh, I am so, I'm so blessed by my my family. And, and one of them even encouraged me this morning before we walked out the door, said, Dad, don't embarrass us. Don't bring shame to the family name. Like, are you, are you nervous, Dad? Uh, so thank you for that, uh, son. But looking at, looking at the picture here, who would you say, who would you think is the most dangerous one in this picture? Like, just looking. <clears throat> if you guess the seven-year-old, her theme song is, it came in like a wrecking ball. Like that, she is a little destroyer. And, and I don't, it's not always malicious. But there have been times when the boys, it hasn't been recently, but they would, she would bring them to tears. Like she found a stash of candy. She broke a toy. There's other times she has brought her, her mother to tears. Uh, sometimes in the things she says, but breaking her favorite coffee mug, once, it's right here outside on our porch, coffee mug, you can see it on the bottom here, broken, coffee spilled. That's a, that's a bad way to start your day when the, when the child breaks your, your coffee mug. She has, uh, so this, this one time I have, I have an electric uh, weed eater, and I had set it down, and I'd gone down to the work end of the weed eater, and, was, and all of a sudden, it turned on. Like she had found the switch and almost decapitated me. <laughs> Uh, and our, her most costly bit of destruction, this was a few years ago, when she was two, she spilled a glass of water. Like, don't cry over spilled water, right? Isn't that the saying? Don't cry. But she spilled it on my laptop. Fried. Gone. I had to get a brand new laptop. Like, she is, she's a little destroyer. Uh, but she's cute. She is cute. And as a family of five, we are very familiar with broken things. We are very familiar with, with broken things. A lot of, some things can be fixed with super glue or even better yet, epoxy, like the stuff that you mix and get in your fingers and then it's, it's on there for a week. That stuff is really, really the best. Uh, sometimes broken things, they just get thrown away. We put them on the shelf, just hoping that maybe they'll magically fix themselves. That's what uh, parents do. But let's, 
let's be honest, some, it, sometimes it just takes too much work to fix what is broken. It takes a lot of work to fix what is broken. And so we, we throw things away, and we live in a throwaway culture. More than any culture previously, if something's broken, throw it away. If we can't fix it, throw it away. Don't, don't take the time, don't take the energy to fix. And so broken things, they get put on the shelf, they get thrown away. And I think we do the same thing with, with people sometimes. Like when when we're, we're broken, we feel like we've been, been pushed, pushed away, put up on the shelf. We're not worth what we, we were worth. But that's not the way it is in God's kingdom. God puts a premium on broken things. God puts a premium on broken things, especially broken people. And when God sees broken, he sees beautiful. When God sees broken, he sees beautiful. And this is in contrast to how our, our culture sees broken. I mean, if we, I mean, these days, if you say one wrong thing, if you like the wrong post, or maybe you, you like the right post, but it's by the wrong person. Like they said something five years ago, and you like their post, it's not even related. Somehow now you're, we just throw people away. We don't, we don't give second chances. We're broken. We're thrown away, but not our, our Savior. God, God has a way of redeeming broken things, things that we, we see as outcasts, things as we, we see as, as, as no good. Those are the things that God specializes in redeeming and healing and, and fixing. And we see that even with the cross, with the cross. What do we call the Friday before Easter? Good Friday, which is so weird that we call the cross someone being murdered on a cross good. Something that was meant as an instrument of torture, an instrument to, to bring shame and to scare people into following Roman rule, Roman law. And if you don't, watch out. Even that is taken. It's redeemed, and it's beautiful. That is the way of the kingdom. And when God sees broken, he sees beautiful. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. We'll also have most of the text on the screen, if, if you don't have your Bible, so that, that is all right. But we'll be in Luke chapter 7. I just want to set up the, the passage for a moment of what's happening here, so get us up to, to speed. At the, at the time uh, when, um, when Jesus walked, walked the earth, the, the, uh, the temples, the, the synagogues, in some places, in some regards, had become unsafe places. For people that you might consider uh, outcast, you might consider broken. I'm sure that would never happen in churches today where people don't feel safe, where they don't feel like they could never come. But that's the way it was uh, 2,000 years ago. Certain people felt that they weren't good enough to participate. Others weren't welcome to participate. And the house of God became a place that wasn't safe. It wasn't safe to, to talk about your struggles it wasn't safe to talk about your hurts. It wasn't safe to, to bring up your, your brokenness. It wasn't a safe place. But Jesus comes along, and he, he elevates the broken. All throughout his ministry, not just in, in Luke chapter 7, but as you read through the Gospels, you see time and time again where those who are broken receive welcome at the table with, with Jesus. And that's what we have in the Gospel of Luke the Gospel of Luke, it's one of the biographies of the life of, of Jesus. And so Jesus here in Luke 7, he's been invited to the house of Simon. Now Simon, he was a religious guy. He was a, a morally upstanding guy. He was a respected person in the community. That is, that is Simon. And we aren't told why, why he invites Jesus to his house. 
It could be that Simon has heard something about Jesus. He's, he's heard a story that Jesus' popularity is growing. And maybe just Simon likes to be around celebrities, like to have important people in his house. So he, he invites Jesus into his house. But what we, we see in this passage is that Simon doesn't do or doesn't offer hospitality to Jesus like it like was common in the day. He doesn't offer Jesus a place to wash his feet, which he wanted people to wash their feet. They walked around in sandals. So just imagine roads that, that had animals, uh, tra- lots of animal traffic, no street sweeping, right? No, no uh, tickets for not moving your car on the, on the right day. Can I get a witness on that one? But I'm thankful for, st- for streets that are, are clean, not so in, in the first century. And so you, you would provide water. You would kiss the guests when they, they came into your house. You would provide a little oil for dry skin. And Simon provides none of that for, for Jesus. And Jesus is there. He's at Simon's house. And a woman shows up. And things get just a bit awkward. Just a bit awkward. So this is Luke chapter 7, verse 37. So Jesus, again, he's at Simon's house. There's a religious guy's house. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. That's all we know. Lived a sinful life. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So this phrase, lived a sinful life. Other translations just say she was a sinner. One modern paraphrase just go, go ahead, go, calls her the town harlot. That's what I'm trying to say. That's, that's what it says. In the message paraphrase, the woman comes up, the town harlot comes. And so this, uh, her reputation preceded her. She's the type of, of woman that you warned your sons about. Like, don't get too close to her. She had a reputation. As, as she gets closer to Jesus, I can just imagine the looks on the people's faces around, like the original side eye, you know, like just looking, not sure, and, and probably not being too discreet. Because everybody knows, like, what is you know, sometimes we can say things with, with our faces and we don't mean to. Like my, uh, my wife is the, the best at that. And sometimes I have to lean over and just say, face, you know, to get like the, that kind of lick off, off the face. But that's probably what, what they were doing as this woman comes. We don't know where she, she came from, but she knew something about Jesus. Maybe she had heard him teach. Maybe she had witnessed him interact with other people, but there was something about Jesus. Maybe she had witnessed a, a miracle or heard about a miracle, but she was at Simon's house, and she knew what I want you to know, that as broken as she was, Jesus could make her whole. As broken as she was, Jesus could make her whole. She knew that he could do something with her broken piece, the broken pieces of her life. It didn't matter what she had done or who she had done it with or where she had been, that Jesus could make her whole. And as, as, so the, you have Simon, respected leader, has Jesus, has some other people there for this meal, and this woman comes in, and it makes me wonder, like, how does she even get in, in the house? And and we don't know, the text doesn't tell us, but it's likely that Simon was well-to-do. And if you were well-to-do, you would have a porter or someone at the front door who would let the outcast in. Now, they wouldn't let him into the main table or the sitting area, but they were allowed to come and to sit back. Because if you loved God, one of the ways to show that you were righteous was to, to serve the poor, to let the poor in. And so they were, the outcasts were let in, but they were kind of on a back level and, and weren't allowed to come to the table, 
They were allowed in the banquet, but not to the table. And that's probably what happened with this woman, that she was there, and maybe even as a badge of honor for Simon. To say, oh, look, look, what I, look who I let in. This woman right here who is unclean, who has this reputation. But, but she comes, and, um, and as she comes in, she hasn't been invited. She didn't meet the standards. It, it wasn't a safe place for her. She is broken beyond repair. She was, she was a throwaway. And she would have avoided Simon's house at all costs, except Jesus is there. Jesus is there. So Jesus, he's reclining at the table. This woman enters. She pushes past the fears. She pushes past the, the thoughts and the glances and the, like, who, are we okay with, with her being here kind of questions. And she, begins, she comes to Jesus, and she just begins to weep. And this is, I mean, this is one of the most incredible scenes in all the New Testament. She, she begins to weep, and she's weeping so much here at the feet of Jesus. I don't know. She comes down, and, and Jesus is reclining at the tables. So she's down. She, as she weeps, like, her tears fall on the feet of Jesus. And then the text doesn't say that his feet were streaked with dirt. You know, when something's dirty and gets a little water on it, all of a sudden it's streaked. I'm imagining that that's what's happened on the feet of Jesus. And as she sees that, then she, she undoes her hair. Women in the first century, the only people who let down their hair were the promiscuous types. Respectable women kept their hair up. She lets her hair down and begins with her hair to wash Jesus' feet. I mean, just, I mean, that is all kinds of scandalous. She's broken, weeping at the feet of Jesus, wiping her, her tears on his feet. And you, you know who wasn't offended by that? Jesus. Jesus was not offended by her outpouring of love. She kisses his feet. She rubs a fragrant oil on his feet. And there was only one thing that could have led this woman to do this. Desperation. I don't, I don't know, we don't know her background. We know she had a label, sinner. You can fill that in any number of ways that you want to. But there was some type of desperation where she said, if I can just, if I can just get to Jesus, that will be enough. And so she, she puts aside the, the shame. She puts aside the looks of the others. And, and she doesn't even, you read this text, she doesn't even say a word. And she doesn't have to. Jesus sees her heart. We see it at the end of the text. And so she washes Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. She is broken, and her life is poured out. It was inappropriate. It was reckless. It was impulsive. And Jesus says it's beautiful. Jesus is more than enough for our brokenness. Jesus is more than enough for our brokenness. But the religious people, not impressed. They were not impressed. So we're going to pick back up in Luke chapter 7, verse 39. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him. And what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So he doesn't say this out loud to Jesus, just kind of to himself. If he, if he really was a prophet, if he was anybody, he would know who this woman was. Was and, and so the, the religious people who are there, they're, they're appalled. Her response to Jesus was too much for them. And, and I wonder if there's ever been times, if you've ever been, uh, I want to say offended, but someone is just pouring out their heart to Jesus, and you're like, what's with this person? Like, why are they so over the top? 
about this Jesus guy. And then maybe we get a little disdain for them in, in our hearts. Why are they so emotional? And, and Jesus knows what he's thinking, which is interesting because Simon has just said, if this man really were a prophet, he would know. And Jesus tells him a story because he knows what he is thinking. So Jesus, right in this moment, is showing that he is, in fact, at least a, a prophet. And so the parable, Jesus says there are two people, and, and they owe a, a moneylender money. One owes the moneylender 50 denarii, and the other owes the moneylender 500 denarii. We're not sure exactly what a denarii represents. Likely it was a day's wages. So 50 days, about a month and a half work of work, 500 uh, days worth of work, a year and a half. So 10 times greater. So whether we're talking denarii, dollars, pesos, there's a, a substantial difference between the two. One owed a little bit, one owned a lot. The, the money lender said, you know what? I am going to forgive your debt completely to both of them, the one who owed 50 and the one who owed 500. Uh, sign me up for that loan, right? Like, let's, let's get some of that money lending. And, and then Jesus says, so you, you have the one who was given, uh, forgiven of 50, the one who was forgiven of 500, and Jesus says, which one, Simon, do you think, which one is going to love the lender more? Which one is going to be more grateful? Which one is going to rejoice greater? Which one? And here's Simon's response. Simon replied, I suppose, I suppose, the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You judge correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Of course, he saw the woman. But something about those words, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you, do you really see her? Do you see her for who she is? Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus rebukes Simon and accepts the woman. He rebukes the religious guy, but accepts the broken lady. And while Simon, he doesn't even extend just the basic kind of expected hospitality, she has gone over the top in her affection for Jesus. And so the forgiveness the woman has received at the feet of Jesus causes her to love Jesus extravagantly. And so she loves Jesus in the measure that she has been forgiven. And Simon's problem uh, was that he didn't realize he needed to be forgiven. He, he didn't realize how broken he was. In fact, he, he thought he was, you know, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. Like, what, what, what do I need? And he, he wasn't, I mean, he was well-behaved. He was a decent guy. He was a, a moral guy. He, wouldn't, he would never do anything that would be the talk of the town. Like, he would never be called the, the town harlot. He would never be labeled as the sinner because he was, he was a good guy. In fact, 
he wouldn't even uh, hang out with those who were considered sinners. That's how righteous Simon was. And the result was that he believed he wasn't broken and had done nothing for which he needed to be forgiven because of his self-righteousness. So Jesus rebukes Simon. He accepts the broken one. She was possibly a, a prostitute, but whatever it was, she was a mess. And she is broken, but she experiences the love and the forgiveness that only comes through Christ, that only comes through Christ. And throughout Jesus' ministry, his harshest criticisms were always for the religious types, the self-righteous, those who thought they were good enough. Like, we don't really need a Savior. But Simon was the most broken of them all. In fact, the, the less broken you think you are, is probably the more broken you are. And Simon, we step back and we read this passage and we can see, oh yeah, Simon, he's got, he's got pride in his heart. He thinks he's better than, than everybody. And here's how broken Simon is. So Simon's a Pharisee. He had committed his life to studying Torah, to following uh, the, the ways of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had memorized large portions of scripture. He had studied prophecies about the Messiah. He pro- there were over 100 of them. He probably knew most of them. And the Messiah had come and was sitting right in front of him, and he was blind. Like That's how broken Simon was, how he, he couldn't see if, if you want to be made whole, you've got to admit that you are broken. I heard one person put it this way. There is no way to wholeness except through the door marked broken. There is no way to wholeness except through the door marked broken. And, and here's the good news, in case you didn't all realize it, is that we are all broken. Or we have been broken. Maybe we have found healing and wholeness in Christ. But we are, we've all got issues. Like we're all messed up in our own way. We've all experienced, we've all done things we regret. And the less broken you see yourself, the more broken you are. And so I, I'm going to want to give you permission this morning to go ahead and admit your brokenness to stop pretending like you've got it all together, to stop pretending like uh, this last week with your family was was great, and you're like, when do the kids go back to school? (laughs) Okay, 9 o'clock tomorrow, here we go. To stop pretending, to stop pretending like we aren't broken. Uh, Many of us have heard of Brene Brown. She is a professor at the University of Houston studying social work, and she was pretty much unknown until about 13 years ago. She did a TED Talk that was called uh, The Power of Vulnerability, and that moved her from just the world of academia into the popular spotlight. She's, she's written books, and she talks about the need to, to be vulnerable, the need to be, to be open as a way to, to, find, to find healing. And this is what she says in her book. I thought it was just me. That's her book. She said, we are those people. Most of us are one paycheck, One divorce, one drug-addicted kid, one mental health diagnosis, one serious illness, one sexual assault, one drinking bitch, one night of unprotected sex, one affair from being those people. The ones we don't trust, the ones that we pity, the ones we won't let our kids play with, the ones that bad things happen to, the ones we don't want living next door. We are those people. Like We are those people. Just just look around the, the room for a moment. 
Like we, here, here we are. Like where are those people? We are those people. We are those people. We are the people who ignore the hurts of others. Maybe not all the time, but some of the time we turn and, and walk away. We are those people. We, we are the people who, who maybe yell at each other on a, a Sunday morning and then drive to church together and sit down like everything's okay. We are those people. Uh, Elora and I, Elora's my, my wife, we drive separate cars to church, so we don't have to worry about yelling at each other in the car, no. Uh, but we, we are those people. We are, we are not immune to the brokenness. We are the people who look down on those who vote differently than, than we do. We are those people. We are the people who work in excess of 50 and 60 hours a week trying to prove our worth. We are those people. We are the people who take the easy way out and instead of investing in, in real intimacy, just log on to OnlyFans instead. Oh, Matthew, you ain't preaching anymore. Now you're meddling. We are those people. We are the people who have holes punched in our closet doors because we can't control our anger. Like we, we are those people. We are the people who spend hours on social media trying to portray a life that we really don't have and get jealous of those who are doing the same thing. We are those people. We, we are broken. So what do we do with our brokenness? What do we do? I think like the woman in the story, we come to Jesus in the same manner. In all of our brokenness, and, and not like she didn't get everything her reputation fixed, and then come to Jesus. She didn't, she just came to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I'm broken. And begins to weep and to cry out, and Jesus, save me from myself. We are the broken. And the good news is that God makes the broken whole through Jesus. That God makes the broken whole through Jesus. There was a prophet lived hundreds of years before Jesus. Isaiah is his name. There's a book in the Old Testament. And in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, it's one of the great messianic uh, prophecies in the entire Old Testament. And by messianic, I mean it, it talks about a Messiah who would come to deliver, this deliverer who was coming to, to set things to right, to make things new. And in Isaiah 53, it talks about this one who is, is going to come. Isaiah 53, 5, it says, speaking of this Messiah, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. You can read that broken. He was broken for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You could put made whole right there. He was broken so that we could be made whole. And we are made whole because Jesus was broken and not, not only are we made whole, but I, when we come to Jesus and, and Jesus begins to make us whole, all of a sudden the, the brokenness and the, the baggage that we have, somehow God turns that into something beautiful. And I'm not saying that the, the, uh, the, the brokenness itself or, or what brought us to that place was, was broken or it was beautiful in and of itself, but, but what that brokenness can lead to can turn to something beautiful. And let me just, I'm going to... Uh, close with just a couple observations of how God makes our brokenness beautiful. How we can take, so all of us in this room, I mean, most of you, I don't know. You don't know me. Some of you I've, I, I do know. We have, we have different stories. We have different experiences. 
And so even I mentioned this this past weekend with Thanksgiving, like with our extended family, this past year has been just terrible, terrible year of, of loss and um, divorce and, and family members not talking to each other. And it's just been ugly. It has just been, and there have been times, and even on, um, we took a, a road trip to the family, uh, my wife's family in South Arkansas, 17-hour drive this, this week there, 17 hours, hours back. I should get some points for that one, for, for driving with my wife. Uh, but to, to spend, and as, as we're in the, in the car on our way there, we just took some time to pray. God, would you, would you work in our, our family this week? Would, you, would there be peace in our family this week? Help us to, to love one another. Because there's just some real, uh, some real brokenness uh, there in our, in our own family. But some, some reasons um, for brokenness or that God can make uh, our brokenness beautiful. The first one is that brokenness can draw us near to him if we allow it. Brokenness can, can push you away from God, but if you allow it, it can draw you near to God. That's what, for the woman in the story, the brokenness that she felt, it brought her to Jesus. It brought her to Jesus. And she experienced forgiveness. Uh, she experienced the love of, of Jesus. She experienced a, a devotion that, that few of us have encountered with our Savior because of her brokenness. So brokenness can draw us near to him. That's, that's a way that God makes our brokenness beautiful. Brokenness, secondly, allows us to experience God's grace. Simon, we're not sure if he ever experienced God's grace the way that the woman did. But she was able to experience God's, because she wasn't putting on pretense. She wasn't pretending like everything was okay. So God, here I am. And she experienced God's grace. And finally, our brokenness can demonstrate the character and glory of God. I mean, that, that's pretty astounding. Like our brokenness can display the very character of our merciful and gracious God. Because in, in our, our brokenness, there's all kinds of responses that we, we have when we're broken. Sometimes it's to, to put up walls, to put up barriers. Uh, sometimes it's to, to change careers, to change lives. Like we, we try to respond, try to fix things. And people watch us. People see that. And there's times when we're broken and, and we come before God. And what happens in the story is when, when the woman falls at the feet of Jesus and Jesus says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Those around at the end of the passage are saying about Jesus, who, who is this man? Who is this one who even forgives sins? And so in her, broke, in her brokenness, something beautiful came from that in that people around her were now saying, who is this Jesus? And so in our brokenness, when we bring our brokenness to God, it reveals something about the character of God. And so even our brokenness can be beautiful if we bring it to the Lord, if we bring it to Jesus. And that is my, my encouragement for you today. And so I'm just going to take a moment, if you would just for the sake of privacy, I'd encourage you to, to close your eyes, to reflect on your own life, the areas of, of brokenness, areas of pain, and maybe the brokenness isn't even your fault. Maybe it's, it's, it's pain that you've endured because of someone else and what they've done. 
is there an area? Is, is there... something that you need to bring to your Savior, to bring to His feet without pretense and say, Jesus, would you make me whole? Would you make me new? And there may be some here today where You've kind of been on the peripheries of, of faith, just exploring a little bit. But you have never said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe that you died and, and you rose again for my sins, that you were broken so I could be made whole. And today's the day we say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I don't know what it all means, but I want to put my trust in you. If there's anyone here today, you'd say, Matthew, that's, that's me. I want to put my, my trust in Jesus either for the first time or you walked away and today you're, you're coming back. So I want to walk with Jesus. I want him to be my Savior. I want to put my trust in him. I'm not going to ask you to, to come forward or to stand up, but would you just lift up, lift up a hand so I could see you? If there's anyone here today, say, I want to put my trust in Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have not turned your back on us, that you have not walked out of the room, but you invite us not just into the room, but to the table to come and to dine with you, to share a meal with you, to find wholeness in the cross. Thank you that you were broken. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your mercy, God, but you pour it out on us. You lavish it out on us. And Jesus, I pray for those today with, with broken hearts, with failures holding them back, that you would come and begin to restore and to renew and put the pieces back together again like only you can. Like only you can. your name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.